Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Nate Bagley. Nate, welcome to the show. Ken, thank you, man. It's great to be here. It is so great to have you here. And Nate is a relationship researcher. He's the creator of the Love Umentary podcast and the Legendary Love Challenge. And his mission is very simple. It's to rid the world of mediocre love. I love that, Nate. It's so awesome. And when I first saw you on your TED Talk, it just blew me away. Do me a favor. Can you kind of give us a window into how you got started down this path? Absolutely. Uh, so I don't think anybody wants to be terrible at love. <laughs> and and I was terrible at love. Like I, I, I knew that one day I wanted to settle down and, and get married and have a family and be that guy. And in my... the. The further into my 20s I got, the more that I realized that I was really not good at being in a relationship, especially beyond like just a few months. And so I started to get curious and I'm like, well, if I want to have like if I'm going to get married, if I'm going to be in a committed relationship, I want that relationship to be epic. Like I, I want to spend the rest of my life with somebody enjoying every day and not just surviving every day. So I decided that if I wanted to have that type of relationship, I had to find some answers. I had to figure out what what it was that couples who had that kind of relationship, a really epic, awesome, legendary love, what do they do differently than everybody else that gives them that kind of a life, that kind of a love? Is it just luck? Is it just one of those things where you know some people have it and some people don't? Or is it a skill? Is it something you can learn and develop over time? And so I ended up, um, the question kind of, haunted me enough that I ended up quitting my job and spending the better part of a year traveling around the country interviewing couples with the most awesome love that I could find. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. That's amazing. So I got to wonder, how, how do you find couples that are having amazing love? Like, how did you travel the country and just like, <laughs> hey, they look amazing. Let me go ask them. Yeah, kind of. So whenever this is obviously a topic that I really love to talk about a lot. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's easy to show up into a city and people go, oh, what do you do? And I start telling them, oh, you know, I, 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 I'm a love researcher. I really love talking to couples with awesome relationships. Do you know anybody who like has a just an amazing relationship, one that stands out above the rest? Is there anybody that you know that has a relationship like that? And people sometimes will say no, they don't. And then oftentimes people will go, you know, my aunt and uncle have a really great relationship or, you know, my, I, I had this neighbor or this guy in my church group, this couple, they, you know, from all different wa walks of life, all different uh, places, but almost everybody had at least one couple that they revered or looked up to or admired. And they're like, I would want a relationship like theirs. If you, if you talk to anybody, you should talk to them. And then I would reach out to that couple and I would say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I want to come to your house and interview you about your relationship and it's crazy how many people were like, yeah, come on over. I would love to talk to you about the most intimate relationship in my entire life in great detail. <laughs> 
And I just assume if somebody's that comfortable talking about their relationship, they probably have something worth sharing. Yeah. So. That's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, it is a bit provocative when you say, I'm a love researcher. And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> How does that happen? And you're like, I go out and talk to your friends who have great, amazing relationships. So help me out here. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That is awesome. Well, this is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I know you've done the research. This isn't just theoretical. This isn't just, you know, oh, this is my idea. You've actually talked to people that have been in the trenches, that have gone through that, that have years and years and years of experience. And, you know, one of the things that, that I always ask our guests is, is for you personally, what do you use as kind of a, I call it a touchstone. Some people call it a guiding principle or a quote or a mantra. But what's that thing that you use in, in partnership to come back to if you ever feel like you're kind of off in the weeds? Yeah. So there's a few of them. My wife and I all the time say the phrase, we do hard things. We, when challenges come up, we look at each other and instead of getting frustrated or overwhelmed, we look at each other and say, hey, we can do this. We do hard things. And that kind of helps us keep a, a focus on having a growth mindset in our relationship where obstacles and challenges aren't, they're not there to bring us, to tear us apart. They're actually opportunities to bring us together. And if we can tackle hard things together, it makes us a better team. Um, but my personal mantra is like the things that I say to myself and I don't, I don't necessarily always say with my wife. One of them is a quote by Dr. John Gottman and he says, uh, it's the little things done often that make the difference. So I'm constantly telling myself it's little things, it's little things. So what are the little things that I can do today to make my wife's life better? What are the little things that I can do to show her that I love her? And, um, that's, that's definitely one of the things I repeat in my head all the time. And when things are going poorly, in our relationship when we're having a disagreement. The other thing that I tell myself is the only way to improve your marriage is to improve yourself. So if we're experiencing conflict, if we're experiencing a breakdown in communication or a rough patch in our relationship, I almost always try to reflect on what I'm doing to contribute to the problem and what I, what I can do to be better, to, to what I can take responsibility for to improve the situation. Because finger pointing and blaming and guilt tripping, it doesn't get you anywhere. So those are those are probably the phrases that I say most often is we do hard things, little things done often that make the difference. And the only way to improve your marriage is to improve yourself. Those are gold, my friend. Those are amazing. And Thanks. I, I think my favorite is we do hard things. Yeah, it's a it symbolizes a, a really big thing for us. Yeah, well, I mean, what's cool about it is just by saying that it makes the thing smaller. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're like, yeah, we do hard things. This isn't that big a deal. This is what we do. Yeah. Oh, like this big thing came up and it's a struggle. Well, we're going to take a deep breath and we're going to lace up our shoes. And this is just what we do. And we're going to be fine. And we've done hard things before. And we're going to do hard things in the future. And we'll do this hard thing now. Exactly. And you know what I, what I really love about that is in those four words, you literally sum up the essence of partnership. Because the essence of partnership is nothing's impossible in partnership. Totally. And so you're just like, yeah, it's no big deal. They're like, basically, it may be hard, but it's not impossible. Nothing's impossible in partnership. I can get behind that. Yeah, it's so cool. That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So here's one of the things that, that our guests love, and I can tell already you're going to be amazing sharing this with us but one of the things our guests love is is 
just how generous our, our guests are. I guess it's our audience loves this. The guests probably do too. But uh, <laughs> um, and, and the, what I'm talking about is, you know, sharing your own personal experiences, your own personal journeys. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we hear these different people out there, these experts in the field, and, and we kind of start to put them on a pedestal like, oh, their life's always been great. And when we can kind of pull back the curtain and let people know, no, they're human beings too. They've had their own challenges and so on. It's really powerful. And so I, I, I love it when our, our listeners are willing to share, or our guests are willing to share, you know, their experience. Like, let's start here. What would be a time in your life when, when you said that, well, I kind of screwed up here in partnership. And I know you said you were terrible at, at relationships, so you probably have a story or two. But let's just pick one time where you tripped over something, <laughs> you kind of screwed things up. And what did you learn from that experience that has helped you grow and move forward? Yeah, I've had tons of these experiences. Join the um, but I want to share. I want to share one that happened more recently mm-hmm. because uh, one of the one of the interesting things that um, that I'm starting to experience is that uh, being like an expert in the relationship field. Like I got an email the other day from uh, somebody who follows my. She's on my email list. And she gets my newsletters and. Um, she said that she's trying to work out things in her relationship and her husband is being resentful of me. She, she yelled, he kind of got upset with his wife and said, hey, I'm never gonna be Nate Bagley, so stop, stop trying to make me that. And I heard that and I was like, oh man, I need, obviously need to share more of these moments where I'm, I'm weak because like, I, I'm definitely not a perfect husband by any stretch of the imagination. Despite knowing this stuff, I don't always do a very good job at living it. It's a constant struggle. So one of the experiences that I had recently to kind of show this is um, my wife and I recently moved into a new house uh, and we it's a place it's a it's a great house and it's a place that we can only afford if we rent out the basement. And when we moved in, um, I was really excited and I'm like, okay, well, let's get this thing listed so we can get a tenant as quickly as possible. We need to take pictures. And my wife was like, oh, I, I will take the pictures. And I said, okay. No problem. So um, she was in charge of getting the pictures done, and we kind of talked about when we needed it. And uh, it was the day the day that we had kind of agreed to have it done was like on a Friday, and I needed it in the morning. And it was getting to be like ten o'clock, and then ten thirty, and the pictures still weren't done. And then it was eleven o'clock, and it, they weren't done. And it was eleven thirty, and I started to get frustrated. So I was like, because I had plans all afternoon, and I needed to set up the listing um, soon so we could get a renter in there, so we could cover our, our, our mortgage, our rent. And, um, I started to get really flustered. And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go take these freaking pictures myself, kind of a little passive aggressive and vindictive. So I grabbed the camera and I go out in the front of the house to get like the big wide shot of the, of the, of the house. And my wife comes like right out the front door. And I've got the camera in the middle of the road on a tripod and I'm like framing the shot and she comes out. She's like, I told you I would do it. And I'm like, but you're not doing it. And I need it in like the next 30 minutes. And she's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, no, I'm just taking care of it. She's like, give it to me. And I'm, we kind of got into this, this disagreement, uh, kind of a little heated out on the sidewalk. And I was like, fine, here, please just, I need it soon. And so she grabbed, she took the camera and it fell and it's an expensive camera and it landed on the sidewalk and I almost imploded. Like 
I was already emotional from feeling stressed out and like not having things work out on the timeline that I wanted. I was feeling emotional after the ex- the heated exchange with my wife and the fact that the that my camera, my nice expensive camera that I use for my business on a daily basis, um, fell and almost broke. Uh, I didn't know if it broke actually. I just like I got overwhelmed and enraged and I walked inside and I sat on the couch and I just buried my my head in my hands and I just started crying and I have never experienced since since I've been married to my wife I don't think I've ever experienced such an overwhelm of emotion that I couldn't do it I, my choices were that I could lash out and say a whole bunch of things that I knew I would regret or I would could just break down and cry and so I just sat there and cried and um and so much of that that struggle uh, came from me not knowing how to be specific. I mean, there's a lot that I could have been responsible for. One of those things is um, I didn't do a very good job being specific about exactly what I needed. I told I told her that I needed help taking pictures and that I'd like it done in the morning, but I wasn't specific about what the rest of my day looked like, why I needed it in the morning, at what time I needed it at. And so she felt like she was still she was still meeting the agreement that we made. Like we weren't in the afternoon yet. You know, she planned on getting things done, but I was becoming resentful and passive aggressive because uh, I wasn't explicit in what it, in communicating exactly what it was that I needed. And this is like a this that's part of one of the things that I'm like really working on as a husband is is being a partner, like being able to communicate what my needs are and what my desires are and do it in a specific way to set really clear agreements instead of like living in expectations because expectations almost always lead to disappointment. Uh, and then the other aspect of this whole thing is, um, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like I, I'm learning to manage my emotions and that's a really difficult thing to do. It's really easy to experience an uncomfortable situation or a heated situation and, and have this, these strong emotions well up in your body and immediately blame those emotions on your partner. Like I do it, I do it all the time. And one of the things I'm tr- trying to train myself to do now is to not – despite my emotions being associated with my partner, they are not her responsibility. They're mine. And learning to um, take a deep breath and and rem- remind myself that I can choose what my emotions are and what my words are and what my actions are. So that's that's probably a re- more recent experience of where I totally dropped the ball, um, and I, I did not show up well as a partner for my wife. Yeah, that that's a great example, and I hope this serves whoever that was out there that, that felt like he had to measure up to you to understand that Nick Hagley's <laughs> human, we're all human. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's really important because sometimes we forget that the people that hear us don't know that. They don't see that... the rest of our life. They don't know these things. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know, you said something that was really interesting about, you said, you know, being specific. And I think one of the things that, that I've certainly found is... If it seems obvious to us, we don't mention it. Yeah. Because it's obvious, of course. Why do I have to tell them I need it by this? Of course I'm working in the afternoon, right? So we don't even bring it up. But (laughs) what I've learned is if it feels obvious to you, that's almost a guarantee it's not obvious to them. Yep. And so there's actually there's only two possible outcomes if you address it, and they're both good. One is either you confirm that it was obvious and they already knew this. Cool. Or you find out they didn't and now they do know. So both ways are a win. 
Exactly. But for some reason, we're like, oh, it's so obvious. I'm not going to bring that up. That would just be a waste of time. And part of it, I know as a man, you know, we're about being efficient. So we're like, well, that's a waste of time. Why would I bring up something that's obvious? I but dude, it's so important. Else. So we it, tend to not do that, but everybody does it. So, you know, if it's something feels obvious, be like, oh, I better make sure that's clear for them. Yeah, I, I've got. So this is one of the things that, that that creates the most conflict in our relationship, and it's totally on me. So um, one of the things that I think a lot of men experience is, let's take a date night for example. You plan an awesome date night out. Mm-hmm. You know that like the movie is gonna start at 7:30, and you want to grab dinner beforehand, and you've got rush hour traffic you need to deal with, and, and like you create this whole plan. It's like okay, so if we leave at 5:15, it's 15, maybe 20 minutes to get to the restaurant, and then we'll need an extra five minutes to be seated, and then we gotta order, then we gotta eat, then we gotta make it all the way to the movie theater, find a parking spot, get in, and like we, I, I do this. Like I go through this whole logistical planning phase. Where I'm like, okay, if we can leave at this time and all the dominoes fall the right way, this ex- this date night will be executed perfectly. But I don't explain those details to my wife. So when I say, hey, be ready at 5.15 and then she's ready at like 5.30 instead of 5.15, she doesn't understand the domino effect that it has being 15 minutes late. So I get really frustrated when <clears throat> when she's running late, but it's but I never explicitly explain like why it's important to be out the door at 5:15. I never sit down and say, "Hey, if we are late, these are the consequences and this is why it's important to me that we're on time." Like this isn't a 5:15 like, "Hey, it's if we should leave around this time, like we need to be walking out the door at 5:15 because if we don't, then we're going to be late to this or we'll get caught in this traffic and then we'll be late to this and we'll miss meeting our friends here. And like it has this cascading effect and I'm learning more and more how much stuff that I create in my head that seems logical, but it never, but unless I verbalize it, like my wife doesn't, she's not in my head. She doesn't know the way that I think. And so what's logical for her and what's logical for me might not be the exact same thing. So well said. Yeah, no, I, it's it's such a great example. And you said the exact word, right? We have a plan. If yep. that plan doesn't seem like it's being supported, we feel unappreciated. Exactly. So when you have that plan... You got to communicate the plan. Yeah, because the truth is the feminine is much more fluid. fluid. They're just like, oh, well, what about this? Let's go over there. <laughs> and we're like, no, we have a plan. Yep. And it drives I, us crazy because we're like, I once that plan's to, going, we don't want to change it. It's going. I, I I try to plan like fluidity time into <laughs> in, into into like vacations or nights out. Yeah. Like I try and plan buffers in of like the feminine whimsy, the just the the curiosity, the adventure, like the awesome, the the happy chaos that comes along with being with my wife. I love it. I love some of the wonderful things that we end up doing because she's a part of my life. And a lot of the time I have to almost add in those time for those moments so that it can still be part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. We can button it down so much. It's like so structured. It's not even fun anymore. It's just getting a result. Totally. So, yeah, it's it is. It's a partnership. That's fantastic. So that was such a great example of, you know, tripping up, having some issues and and recognizing what your role is in that. What's one of those times, Nate, when like maybe it's even from, you know, one of the folks you interviewed where it was like one of those duh moments. Right. It's just like, oh, my gosh, 
I can't believe I've been doing this for so long. How, how have I done this? And, and once you woke up, all of a sudden, this became a building block for your future partnership. What's one of those? That's a great question. So <clears throat> one of my favorite stories that I like to tell is uh, a moment. So I did this interview with this couple called, their name is uh, David and Gretchen. And David and Gretchen have become some of my best friends. And it was be- it all started with this interview. It was really cool. But um, I, was, I was interviewing them to figure out like what makes their marriage so great. But before we could have the interview, they insisted on feeding me dinner first, which I would never object to. <laughs> so, so I'm hanging out in their kitchen watching them get re- kind of like prepare, finish preparing the meal and get the table set and everything. And they're interacting with each other in this way that just made me – I was like, what, what is going on here? Uh, for example, David would approach Gretchen and say, Hey honey, it looks like dinner is coming along so great. Is there anything that I could do to be helpful? Like, can I, can I set the table? Are you ready for like place placemats to be put out or hot pads? Um, and she'd be like, Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that, honey. I love you. I would love some help. Would you mind just putting the dishes on the table and maybe putting ice in the glasses? And he'd say, absolutely anything for you, babe. And I'm like, okay, this is a little over the top. Like <laughs> they, they're just being so almost sickly sweet to each other. Mm-hmm. So we sit down and start eating dinner and I'm like, look, I know we're not recording right now, but I just got to ask is, are you guys always like this or are you just like this right now? Because I'm here and you know, I'm interviewing you about your relationship. And they kind of looked at me and I had been doing like a lot of interviews. This, they're, they were not one of my first interviews, so I had interacted with a lot of couples and had never seen a couple interact with each other the way these two people did. And they just kind of looked at me like, oh, Nate, you poor guy, you don't get it. And I was like, okay, what's what's going on here? Like, t- give me an answer. And they said, look, early on in our relationship, we realized that there are so many couples who treat um, – They'll treat like the the teller at the bank or the cashier at the grocery store or the random person that they're they'll hold up a door open for somebody. Like they, they treat all these random strangers with so much more kindness and respect than they treat their own partner. And they said early on in our marriage, we decided that that we would always be able to tell who the most important person in our life was by how we spoke to each other and how we treat each other. And so our words and our actions always reflect you are the most important person in my life. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you are always like this. And how cool that you are, that you always express gratitude for the little things and that you look for the good in each other and you're constantly appreciating each other and you're looking for ways to take care of each other and you're so kind towards one another. They told me that the, the biggest arguments that they've had in their relationship is when like David has to stand, has to stand up and defend Gretchen from herself or vice versa. So like David will be talking poorly about himself or Gretchen will be talking poorly about herself and they will jump to their own partner's defense. Like David would say, Gretchen, don't talk about my wife that way. And he like defends her against herself. And I'm like, what a beautiful thing. Like how cool that they just have each other's back and that they always know who's most important by how they talk to each other and treat each other. And that was a huge shift for me about how I show up. It's so easy to become casual in your language and in your, in your behavior, behavior and comfortable in the way that you interact with, with the people that you love the most. But truly these are the people you should be most intentional with and that you should be most kind and, and compassionate and understanding towards. So that was like a big, a big uh, transition moment for me. Yeah, 
That is so cool. And I, I love that piece about they would defend each other against their own negative self-talk. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I would never say anything bad. But then you recognize their inner critic is doing that. Yeah. It's like, well, who helps out there? Nobody yeah. normally. What if I said, hey, you don't get to talk to my wife like that. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I say that to my wife now. Nice. She comes, she comes home and she'll say like, oh, I just – I did such a stupid thing at work today. I can't believe it. And I'll be like, hey, be nice to my wife. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. You know, and it makes a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so interesting because one of the things that, that, that you know, happens is that voice in our head has absolute authority, even when it makes no sense at all. We listen to it. And it can make these berating comments and we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm terrible. I didn't do anything. I don't care. I, I'm a terrible person. And we know it's not true. But because it's that voice in our head, it has authority. But when you speak to that and you say, hey, be nice to my wife. It instantly, without smacking upside the head, goes, I'm not being nice to myself. Where normally totally. we don't notice it. Because it's just so normal. We hear it all the time. And all of a sudden it goes, I have a choice. Like you said earlier, right? Oh. I can be nice to myself and recognize what I did do well, or I can sit here and beat on myself all day long about the thing that maybe I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Totally. And it totally transforms that space. That's, that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I agree. And I'm really glad I got to talk to them and meet yeah. them because it, it, it made a, it was totally a, oh, duh moment for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, sure, maybe they were a little syrupy sweet, and it's like, well, maybe our version doesn't look exactly like that, but we can still be appreciative. Or how wonderful would it be if we were all that syrupy sweet to each other, <laughs> and that was the norm? Instead of instead of a couple just being really nice and kind to each other, being like, what the heck is going on over there? How cool would it be if, if everybody was just that nice, and it was just normal behavior, that we're encouraging and supportive of each other and kind towards each other? Man, that would make a difference. Yeah, that'd be pretty huge <laughs> awesome well let's turn this around here for a second nate let's explore a time when instead of being a, a a mess up or a dumb moment this is like one of those proud moments in partnership one of those times you look back on it and every time you reflect on it, you just can't help but smile you're like dude that was so cool what's one of those uh, it's always the little things for me um it's the moment where like like moments where I uh, might be feeling a little bit resentful or frustrated and then I take a deep breath and I express gratitude and my mood starts to shift and then I go up into the bedroom or into the in our bathroom and write a love note on, on the mirror to my wife. And then I step back and go, that was a really good move, Nate. Like that, that makes a difference, not only for her, but how about how I feel towards her. Like, so I think... <clears throat> One of the important things that I've learned in my time doing doing all this love stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, is that a lot of people believe that um, f that feelings inspire action. That you, the way that you act towards somebody is it comes as a result of the inspiration that you feel in your in your body first. <clears throat> but uh, the the opposite is actually true. What's actually true is that the way that you act is what creates the feelings that you feel towards somebody. And so there's a lot of people out there who sit around waiting 
to feel like love and attraction and, um, and passion towards somebody, but they're not acting lovingly, compassionately or, or passionately towards, towards their partner. And I've started to really hone in on this idea that I need to act in a way, in the way that I want to feel. And so it's those little moments where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not feeling the way I want to feel. So what action do I need to take to change my mood, to change my feelings? Um, th- those are probably the little victories that I think make the biggest difference in my life. Yeah. You know, what's cool about that is obviously the action is something we're actively engaged in. Waiting for a feeling to happen is very disempowering. Exactly. Oh man, I hope this. Start, I hope I start to feel better about them. Uh, we've just <laughs> fallen out of love. We just grew apart, I guess. Well, it's because you're freaking sitting around waiting for that magic spark to hit again. But it doesn't. Like, people stop. They start when they start a relationship. They start by investing in how they look and how they speak and how they show up and they're trying to impress and they're trying to seduce and court each other and create like mystery and tension and passion. And then you get into a committed relationship and it's easy to become complacent and relaxed. And when that feeling goes away, people go, oh, I guess love just dies. I guess the passion dies. I guess that 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 passion fades. And it's like, no, you're not behaving passionately towards each other anymore. That's where what happened. Like, the feelings don't precede the actions. The actions precede the feelings. The actions inspire the feelings. Yeah. No, it's a great point. Really cool. Well, Nate, we're getting to the part in the show. I call it bring it all home. And this, this is where we're going to step away from the stories a little bit and leave our, our listeners with some very specific little bullet points they can take with them and apply right away. And where I want to start is what would you say is one of the best pieces of partnership or relationship advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice for a, a, somebody in a relationship, in my opinion, would be to be an action taker, not an insight chaser. So the difference is I, I, I find uh, I interact with a lot of people who like to listen to podcasts like this. They, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the majority of your listeners are awesome people who are inspired and, and they're listening to your show because they want to be better. They want ideas and insights into how they can show up better in partnership, whether that's a business partnership or a friendship or a romantic partnership, like the, all across the board. And that's, that's so awesome. And I love people who are constant learners and who are, who are readers and they go to workshops and, and they do all these great things to gain insights. But the insights don't do anything for you unless you put them into action. And I think that people with the very best relationships are the people who, who have the shortest gap between when they learn something that could benefit their life and then when they put that thing into action. <clears throat> so that would be my number one piece of relationship advice is to be an action taker and to, and to make sure that that action that you're taking is drawing you closer to who you want to be and, uh, and not just it's, – it's easy to get addicted to chasing insights, to learning something new and feeling like you're becoming a better person because of it. Absolutely. I mean look at the endless you know, motivational messages. Yep. Right? And it's like great. I can, rec- I can recite all those. I don't yeah. really do anything with them. And I think a, a, a thing I would add on to what you just said is, and you said it very specifically, you said, you know, move in action towards what you want to be. 
And so many times we spend up putting all our energy into moving away from what we don't want to be. Yes. But there's a whole lot more things you don't want to be than what you do want to be. So that's a long, 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 long list. And you'll never get to what you want to be if you have to get rid of everything you don't want to be first. Totally. Just go straight to the goal. Yep. And it makes all the difference in the world. So, yeah, great, great example. That's huge, huge advice. So let's do this then. What would you say is the best either book or resource that you would recommend for our listeners and why that specific one? So, uh, let's see. There's a couple. Can I tell you a couple? Okay. Uh, one of my favorite merit, most of the, the resources, actually all the resources that I would suggest are merit or marriage or committed relationship based. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most inspiring books I've read recently is passionate marriage by David Schnarch. And it, it, it's a dense book, but it is, I've never read a book that was better at describing the tension that we all experience between being an individual and being in partnership and wanting both at the same time, but having those two things oppose each other mm-hmm. and, and what it means to, <clears throat> to show up inside of a relationship and still be able to hold on to yourself and show up as an ind- individual, but still be an active participant in your relationship without losing yourself. Uh, so that's a really, a really awesome book, uh, especially if you find yourself getting emotionally enmeshed with your partner a lot. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel like that you take on their anxiety or you take on their depression or if they have a bad day, you have a bad day. Like this is a, a really great book for you to understand how you can kind of separate yourself from your partner. Or if you, on the flip side, have a really hard time connecting with your partner because you just are, are scared of losing yourself. Like it's, it's a really awesome resource. Um, another really great book is called The New Rules of Marriage by Terry Reel. And it's just a really great mo- modern day commentary on what a relationship has the potential to be. And he lists out all these rules. A lot of them are really funny. And a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, that's totally true. That I, I suggest that to most couples, especially if they're uh, early in their relationship and haven't worked, worked out a bunch of agreements. Uh, and then the last resource I would suggest is um, I put together – like I said just a minute ago, action takers, you need to be an action taker, not an insight chaser. I put together a seven-day challenge that you can find at, le- at legendarylovechallenge.com, and it's all about helping you take action inside of your relationship. And I think I'm really actually really proud of that resource and the impact that it's had on the, the people who've taken it. So I'm hoping that that will help, to, help people to um, stop just chasing insights and, and start to sit down and really consider how they can put the things that they know to do into practice to make their life better. Awesome. Those are great, great resources. And I want to I draw our listeners' attention to something. Did you notice Nate asked if it was okay if he said more than one book? That's partnership. He didn't just assume he had carte blanche to do what he wanted, even though I had asked for one resource. He said, is it okay if I do more than that? That's partnership. Because what if I didn't have the time for that, right? So what a great example that he just gave of, I don't, I don't make assumptions that when somebody asks this, I can do what I want. I actually confirm that that's okay. And if it's not, I doubt if you would have been like, oh, you're an idiot. I wanted to do three books. <laughs> and why can't I do three books and made a big deal out of it? You just went, okay, I get that. Yep. I would have gone with one if you would have told me to stick with one. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So I just wanted to draw that out because this is one of those things that we miss a lot of times. We don't realize the difference between what he did and what he could have done. 
and just check for yourself. What do you do in those situations? Do you assume Thanks. you get to do what you want? Or do you actually go, is this okay? I, it's not exactly what you asked for, but is that still going to work for you? That's partnership. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. That's yeah. nice, nice thing to call out. Yeah, very, very cool. And I mean, I think we could go on for the next week and a half, probably. <laughs> I would love to do that. However, that's not how this works. So let me do this. Let me let me just ask, could, can you let our listeners know how do they contact you? How do they learn more about what you do? Yeah, uh, a great way to get in contact with me. Uh, you can go to my website. It's growthmarriage.com or check out the podcast um, or Honestly, the Legendary Love Challenge is a, a really great way to like get a taste of what I'm up to. So, Awesome. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we're going to have a link to the Legendary Love Challenge. We're going to have links to his site and his podcast. So it'll be really easy for you to make those connections. So don't worry if you didn't get a chance to jot it down. You just go to speakingpartnership.com, type in Nate, and it'll take you straight to his show page. And all that information will be at the bottom of the page. So it'll be Now really that easy. is partnership. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Nate, this is this is awesome. I really appreciate your story. So insightful, so powerful. And I know everybody listening is learning a lot and excited about where this can take them. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.